0: You're listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. We're live from SHRM 22 and talking to some of the best minds in HR and business. We are digging into the most pressing issues in the workplace so you don't have to. Now, here's your host, William Tinkup.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tinkup and you're listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today we have Dan on from NAYA. And our topic today that we're gonna discuss is benefits experience in 2022. Really kind of uh, the experience, but also the expectations that different people have. I wanna kind of unpack that with him. I know he's got a bunch of great ideas and some research. So uh, so this is gonna be a lot of fun. Dan, welcome to the show. Would you introduce both yourself and Naya? Absolutely,
0: thanks for having me, Will. Sure. So Dan Riddock from Naya, Chief Marketing Officer. NIA is a benefits experience platform that helps employees make better decisions around benefits over the course of open enrollment, qualifying life events, and when they're new hires. As you mentioned earlier, benefits are at the epicenter of so much to do with the benefit the employee experience and how important that is than ever in the wake of the great resignation, the financial turbulence that everybody's experienced at this moment in time, and much, much more.
1: Well, it's because you, you brought us into employee experience, let's let's stay there for a second. The relationship between benefits experience and employee experience, what is that like right now? What do you see? And, uh, and then the second part of that is what are the expectations, the new expectations that employees have?
0: Yeah, I think unfortunately it's fractured at this moment in time, right? And I think that's because there's a disparity between the way HR organizations are currently perceiving that experience And how is it meeting the realities of consumers today? Right. And that's not only in the course of just a selection of benefits, right, during open enrollment, which is a pretty antiquated process as it currently stands. And oftentimes when we're speaking to people, they have this immediate reaction be like, oh, yeah that process around, we, like, we do, that yeah, we do that once a year. Yeah, we do that once a year. I went through a 30-page PDF, all in size 10 font, <laughs> the fine print underneath to understand what programs are best for me. And I'm trying to basically do the back of the napkin math, like goodwill hunting against the whiteboard, right. to try to figure out, okay, I'm planning a pregnancy this year. I just took out a mortgage. I'm trying to actually make decisions around benefits that are going to put me in a financially stable position. And unfortunately, people just aren't in that position today. And I think, unfortunately, right, going back to the disparity, what we found is that 65% of employees are definitely not confident about the benefits of the decision they make during open enrollment. Right. Moreover, over 75% of respondents said at one point in time, their benefits fell short of their expectations, whereas HR leaders believe at least 76% or above that the benefits experience that they're forging today is equipping their consumers with what they need.
1: So- so two things to unpack there for, uh, in, in initially is one is is the relentlessness that we should be thinking about benefits instead of that bespoke once a year kind of mentality that we've historically grown up with whether or not it's in July or December or whatever it is it's this once a year we should be thinking about benefits as as, a, as something like the employee experience we think about it all the time how do we make it better
0: yep it's an evergreen strategy yeah. right and it's not only in the course of during open enrollment traditionally, but it's during new hires, qualifying life events, but it's ongoing education, It's ongoing engagement and communication around what benefits are being offered to my employee base. They're going to help them reinforce their mental health. They're going to allow them to have access to more voluntary benefits that align with their life events. I think um, I heard this once this is very, very funny. no one needs pet insurance until they have a pet, right? But we're communicating, right, all these different benefits over the course of open enrollment that maybe at that moment in time, an individual doesn't need that benefit. Right. But, okay, six months later, I have a pet, I'm planning a pregnancy, there are other resources available to employees that they otherwise forgot about during the course of open enrollment. So, to your point, benefits have to be an evergreen strategy, and I think it's all the more important now than ever in the wake of benefits playing a really extreme role in talent retention. In town attraction, and of course, in this economic environment that we're currently right. operating
1: in, yeah, it's it's uh, the other part of that that I thought was really, really compelling is is on one side they might not have they might not have understood what they signed up for, so that there's a communications let's say riff that that's uh, that we probably need to think about. And Then on the other side of it is maybe they had expectations uh, for whatever dental insurance, whatever it is. They had expectations, and for whatever reason, it didn't meet their expe- expe- expectation. So take us into that world, because both of those, are they're connected, right? Uh, but take us into that world for a second.
0: Yeah, I think expectations fall into two categories. One, what am I covered for that I thought that I was covered for? Right. And had that result in a, we'll say, unforeseen financial event, right? right? Whether that's a bill that I received by going to an emergency room that all of a sudden I have to pay $5,000 out of pocket, because it was a doctor over the course of that experience that maybe wasn't in network that I wasn't aware of. I think it's not only in the course of like in open enrollment and that decision that's being made, that needs to be a deeply personalized experience based off of my financial standing, my medical needs, the composition of my family, so on and so forth. But it's about the fact that I need to make sure that whatever that decision is, because arguably benefits are the single most important financial decision made by Americans every single year. Right. And yet that experience, if you compare that to like selecting going to college, buying a car. Right. Right. You wouldn't buy a car without test driving in doing a bunch of research, right? right. But this experience around selecting benefits is the exact opposite of the antithesis of that.
1: Oh, it's, it's, it's even worse because it's coded in insurance language. Exactly. Which is worse than legalese mm-hmm. uh, for some, sort of, you know, like like you almost have a decipher code that you have to have in front of the thing, the the benefits to then be able to understand, like what 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 is it? I mean, that's why so many people use a benefits broker because smaller companies, especially. Because they can make sense of the documents. Like there's someone that has to actually make sense of the documents.
0: Exactly. And that doesn't scale, right? No. To employee sizes in excess of 1,000, 5,000, no. and above. No. Right? And we we saw a disparity. Yep. As you go up the chain of the, of the size of the company, the larger the disparity in the understanding of that benefit program naturally, right? Because there's more benefits more likely offered, right. right? And there's more employees and less HR people, right? If you think about that ratio or the broker, whoever the subject matter expert is right in house. How, how should, Oh, go
1: I Finish your thought.
0: Yeah. I was just, I was going to make the point that whether you're a doctor or a lawyer or whatever your degree may be right. Or maybe you have just a, a GED. This is a universal issue. Right. Right. No one understands
1: this. No. hundred percent. Right?
0: Or at an academic informed level. And that right. goes back to the earlier point. Like it goes beyond just knowing what an FSA is, what's an, an HSA. That part's easy. But it's the practical application of that, given my personalized needs in my life, which are completely unique, right. which warrants a more personalized experience up front.
1: Dumb question alert. Do you think that benefits uh, is a benefits experience? Do you think that it should be more agile? Yes, in- absolutely. Especially, okay.
0: It's, okay, we're about to potentially enter a recession. Yeah. yeah, I think we're talking ourselves into it, but yeah, yeah. that's different. <laughs> that's but very yeah. true. Yeah, let's, let's go there. Let's sure. go there for a moment, right? Yeah. Okay. I need to make sure that I am as financially stable as humanly possible. Right. Right. Okay. How, what do my benefits play a role in that given that my child has a preexisting condition? Right. Right. How is it that that choice that I made up front during the open enrollment process actually helped reinforce my financial stability? Right. So agility is just about the, the peace and confidence around the decision, no matter what the conditions may be in my life, whether it's the unforeseen or things that we might be talking ourselves into.
1: Right. So what are, what are benefits right now from an experience perspective? What are things that you're seeing, kind of some of your customers, you all sit on top of a lot of data. You get to kind of see consumption in a, in a way that's really compelling. So what do you see that's being used? Because I've said for years, uh, it's not a benefit if people don't use it. So we can kind of like not call it a benefit because, again, it's, it's only a benefit if, if it's consumed then it's a benefit.
0: Exactly. And uh-huh. I think over the last five years, there's been this massive migration, right? to high deductible health plans right. paired with an HSA or FSA, right. right? And then underneath that is like, okay, here's this entire menu right. of voluntary benefits that right. now have, have at your disposal to essentially just like plug the holes, right? in the gaps in that plan, right? So that you're not financially in a susceptible position. Okay. There's a now you already had to go through the education around medical, dental, and vision, and all the traditional things, which is already still a gap right Right. now, moving to the side of health plan. Okay, now there's this menu of 15 different voluntary benefits that I now need to understand on a unique by unique basis and figure out which of those actually meet my needs. So to your point around a benefit isn't a benefit if it isn't used, the biggest challenge of this moment in time is, okay, I now have this dynamic of... Maybe fifteen, twenty different benefits that I'm offering a, an employee at one, one period in time. Right, but there's this disparate, fractured nature around being able to understand the composition of what do I particularly need given my unique, you know, needs and personalized requirements. And so, what we've found is those voluntary benefits are effectively going stale. Right, right? the engagement is so so low, and so. And the way that the employee interacts with those might be in a different microsite or in a different landing page, right? right. They might be hosted by a particular voluntary benefit. I think we're all in very much support of more benefits that help people, you know, support themselves mentally and financially. Right. And of course, their, their overall well-being. But that experience around me as an employee understanding, okay, I know that that voluntary benefit exists and I can interact with that. That's a massive gap, right? Especially because from a technological experience perspective, it doesn't sit into it in a single place, right? Right, they're all in separate places, so it's very difficult for employees to actually understand the what, the why, and where, right, to interact with that benefit. It's
1: really interesting because the way that you talk about voluntary benefits is the way that we've historically talked about EAPs. Mm. Yep, like well, we have that. <clears throat> no one uses it, but we have it, and and volunteer voluntary benefits have almost become the, the new AP because we oh we have it. No one uses it or, or the consumption and usage is so low that it's nebulous, but we offer it again. That's cool. It's great that we offer it, but if we don't train people and teach people and get it adopted, then it's a big giant. So what? Right.
0: Exactly. And I think there's, there's the dimensions of the point of which you actually utilize that benefit, which is what is it? Yep. And then the why and then the how. Yep. And the where. Yep. And like we are all the way at the very beginning of that spectrum to the point of which an employee would actually opt into that voluntary benefit. So we, of course, at NIR are, are consolidating that experience into one unique place where people can select their benefits based off of their personalized needs, based off finance and their, their wellness needs, whether it's for themselves or for their, their dependents. And have that all in a bundled place to say, this is a recommended voluntary benefit for you because you had expressed this particular need in your finances or in your well-being. Right. So that that's what we're, the dots were trying to connect.
1: So one of the things I wanted to ask you about, I'm going to call it BX. Love uh, that. Of, uh, I'm going to borrow that just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? If you don't, I'd be offended. Yeah, there you I'd go. I'd be offended. If you didn't say BX is the new EX, BX, I'd be I love it. I'd be completely offended if you didn't do that. <laughs> I'll be sure to credit you. It uh, nah, no, no, <laughs> no, nah, 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 just know that. So, I, I wanted to ask you about the bit of BX as a as a as a concept. We've thought about, we've talked a lot about health, right? But you've also brought in 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 the last couple of seconds, you've brought in uh, financial wellness and uh, and mental uh, wellness or, or wellness, uh, financial wellness, etc., mental health. So how do we think of that or how, how should HR think of BX or, business, you know, benefits experience? How should they think about that holistically?
0: They should be thinking about it from the point of which they hire someone to the point of which they've been working for the company for 10 plus years, yeah. right? That experience, and we drew the earlier point, it's an evergreen one, right. right? And from the point of which someone decides to sign up for your company and become a new hire go through the onboarding process, they should have an experience where they understand exactly what is offered to them and why Right. and how to opt into that very, very easily. Right. Right. And then over the course of ongoing open enrollments and over the course of introducing new products and new benefits that are agile and right. responsive to the needs of their employee base, ideally every single employee has an understanding of where to now go to access that benefit and opt into that benefit.
1: I think that's one of the real powerful play things about Naya is that you'll be that those, your customers can then use the platform to then, because if it's left to HR to then communicate to 12,000 employees, all of those, all those finite details, it's not going to get done. And, and historically it hasn't gotten done, but if it's a platform and technology, technology can then let people know, Hey, you haven't, you know, you know, you have this benefit. You, you, if if you'd like to use it, it's here. It's here. It's available to you.
0: And behaviors are then built. That's right? right. And then it resonates, and then it becomes part of muscle memory for the employee, right? And I think having it integrated within the, I'd say the the nucleus or the the motherboard of the HR technology scheme with the HCM platforms. We just forged a really important alliance with ADP, and right. for us now, and we will be the the BX yeah. inside of that platform moving forward, but we're in discussions with any number of the ACM yeah. Ben admins out there. Yeah, they're finding that embedded experience and centralizing all of the behavior and the education in that one umbrella is particularly important in, in actually making that a reality.
1: What's the expectation from employees and candidates? So we'll do candidates from the mm. recruiting perspective. What are, What are their expectations in terms of benefits and? What are the expectations? Uh, We're not out of COVID, technically, but what are the expectations today in a hybrid work, remote work, et cetera? What are the new expectations from employees as it relates to to benefits?
0: Yeah, I think the expectations in the onboarding process is that this is going to be very, very simple for me to go do somewhere like going to Amazon and purchasing, I don't know, know, your water delivery or whatever the the commodity might be, Right. right? And that is definitely the expectation now. Versus that of, okay, if I'm a remote employee and now I'm being packaged all, I'm being unloaded all this information and I'm also trying to figure out how I'm going to be prepared for my first day to be successful, that's an overwhelming experience that that doesn't bode well, right, for for a proper BX. Um, And I think there's this element, I don't know if you've heard this phrase, but the great regret, right, Mm -hmm. associated with, okay, I just, maybe I'm a a person who participated in the great resignation and now I've entered a new job and now I have this great regret because, oh crap, I can't actually, like this role isn't right for me for one reason or another. Benefits play a role in that onboarding experience and making sure that is a positive one right, for folks and on day one they're excited about getting onto the job and not having to worry about this component. We also found that benefits were the second most important variable. When people are deciding whether to stay or leave. Number one obviously being compensation, but you could argue right. benefits are a subset of
1: compensation. 100 percent. So um, to the CFO it, it absolutely is. One thousand percent. Yeah.
0: And then in the course of, of, of those right who are who are on the job and have already been with the organization for many, many years, hopefully, right? The the idea that benefits are evolving to meet their needs, right? Evolving in a way that helps them feel like HR and that organization has their needs front of mind and that employee experience uh, is, is a greater importance to the business than anything else, right? They're, and especially you can make the argument, especially in um, verticals like hospitality or any other service driven industry that exists that are experiencing higher turnover, their businesses run through their people.
1: 100%. Right?
0: And there's a direct correlation between their business unit economics and retention and right, particularly at a managerial um, role, and the performance of that business or that particular location.
1: So, so those are all really important. Th- three things left. One, one is is I've always had this 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 um, itch in terms of the communication layer with uh, one's spouse, partner, wife, husband, etc. Um, because as an employee, you get a lot of communication, which is great. And then you've got to then communicate that to another person, right? Like in my case, it'd be to my wife. I've got to now communicate something that I don't understand. And now I've got to go and it's like the telephone game, right? Exactly. Now, now I've got to go and explain something third person. Uh, and I've, I've always just found that kind of silly. Like why why can't she just log in and see the same things I see? Yeah, and
0: that's, um, it's funny because we had a, a number of consumers on our platform Give us feedback to say, oh, instead of me just placing all the PDFs and you know, essentially trying to again unpack the equation like the Goodwill Hunting example, <laughs> they're now sitting side by side using Naya, yeah, and going through the step by step tax like experience to say what is their family going to look like over the next year or so, right. right? Are they planning a pregnancy or not? Are they on the same page around the answers to these questions that will ultimately inform a personalized recommendation? And at the very end, they're like, oh my gosh, this is a complete departure from what we're used to. And right. now the burden isn't on the partner right, to have to translate something that they don't even understand fundamentally themselves. Right.
1: Right. I love that. So if we're, no, if, when we have this conversation next year, what's different in benefits experience? Ideally, we have more people using a platform. Basically, I think it's a commitment.
0: It's a commitment of the organization to put benefits at the, at the front and center of their, of their people strategy.
1: The only thing I'd, I'd modify there, and I'll modify if you don't mind me if you don't Welcome mind me modifying yes. is for the leaders, especially the C-suite, I don't think it's the benefits, because I think they, they think they do, I think it's in their mind that they, they do a good job. I don't think, I think it's the experience part that second part of, it, of of actually communicating and getting onboarding and getting uh, consumption, adoption, usage, et cetera, it isn't, maybe the array of benefits is wrong. Okay, well, we, that's arguable. We can figure that out. But I think in their minds, like if we were to go poll 100 CEOs, I think they think that they, they, they've got the right benefits. Exactly. But the experience is horrific.
0: Exactly. And I, it's exactly to your point. The experience will be put at the forefront of I, this strategy. I
1: think if we do that right, then then consumption gets right, then I think everybody wins. So CEOs, CFOs, everybody wins if consumption's right.
0: And most importantly, HR teams win,
1: right? Truth. Because we're broadcasting live here at Sherm Annual, um, what's success for you at the show?
0: I think for us to be able to evangelize this message, right, our core mission is to empower consumers, everyday Americans, with the peace and confidence associated with their benefits choices, period. Because there are so many people that are experiencing unplanned medical events that are having heightened needs that they didn't anticipate a year ago, two years ago. And we just want to help connect the dots between That offering of the benefits that an employee has worked so hard to go build with their broker or their respective peers and just connect them with what they need to give them that peace and confidence.
1: Drops Mike walks off stage. Dan, thank you so much. Absolutely appreciate you uh, being on the podcast.
0: Yes, thanks so much. We hope to do this again
1: soon. Absolutely. And thanks for everyone listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Until next time.
0: You've been listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast live at sherm 22. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at recruitingdaily.com.